Sustainer Rumble is a part of Cut Print Podcast Network. Big thanks to the show managers, producers, and audio engineers for making this episode possible. You can follow Cut Print Podcast Network's official channels on Facebook, Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And also browse through their awesome lineup of podcasts you'll surely get obsessed with. When you talk about green transport, you only discuss about the infrastructure, right? You discuss about the modes, but not really the people using these modes. Not really the people using this infrastructure, not really the people receiving the goods. So you have to look into the mobility of goods and people. And you need the mobility of goods because the goods is what the people need. That is Daniel Gillian. She is a professorial lecturer at the University of the Philippines School of Urban and Regional Planning. Daniel is a widely respected expert in the realm of sustainable transportation and urban planning scene in the country. So you have to look into the mobility of goods and people. And you need the mobility of goods because the goods is what the people need. Since the roaring 80s, back when date day EDSA looked like a Mani Pacquiao patch day, we have been solving or looking at solving traffic. Think about it. No Carmageddon. None of that stress. And yet, past governances have been thinking about how to alleviate car throughput to accommodate faster travel. Thinking in retrospect, it appears to have been a wasted effort given how choked up our streets in Metro Manila and even Cebu are today. And despite the decline in its yearly growth rate since the 1960s, the cumulative population of the Philippines' metro cities is still continuously growing. This is not unexpected. In fact, the United Nations estimates that by 2050, 68% of the population will live in cities, up from just 55% today. Beyond being a home for more and more people, cities in the Philippines also play a vital role in supporting the economy generating more than 70% of our national income. That also means more lives to support through and through, especially in as far as job security, food security, healthcare, education, social services, shelter, finance, and of course mobility are concerned. In our previous episodes, we explored mixed-use development and housing, vital factors in the livability in cities. The big question is since we've been looking at traffic and transport for about four decades now, while preparing for this influx in population, consuming capacity, and evolving travel behavior, then why do streets and avenues in our cities appear as if we have achieved the total opposite of what we've wanted ever since? That's why, you know, when you look at planning, you have to look at the whole thing. Eh? It's not just about the roads. It's not just about the infrastructure available. You really have to look into also the history. Because sometimes, you know, we can be very, how do I say, melancholic about it, but we're not really looking at the big picture. This is Sustainer Rumble, the podcast that explores critical issues on sustainable development in the Philippines. I'm Chantal Nieto. I am Jonas Marie Dumdum. And I am C.K. Asinas. In this episode, we explore the reasons why the Philippines' transport system is flawed. Living in the city is not all flowers and rainbows, and that's putting it in a nice way. This is at least true particularly in urban cities worldwide that have taken up a very car-centric mindset generation after generation. By now, it's already very apparent that the transport poles in Metro Manila and Cebu have crippled the way Filipinos move day by day. Unfortunately, 
This means a loss of time for the everyday person and a loss of income and productivity for the commercial sectors. What is really to pinpoint for this very familiar issue? One word always comes to mind, transportación. Transportation is the means of getting to and from a certain location. Commuters can go anywhere through universal modes such as your bus, your train, the jeep, the cab, the van, and now recently, bikes and electric scooters. What is commonly misunderstood is, despite being a major indicator in the ease of travel, the issue is really less on the vehicles but more on how the movement of people and or goods are supported like a well-oiled machine where the cogs are spinning frictionlessly. When you talk about transportation, the first thing that comes to your mind is the ability to move from one place to another. More on the infrastructure, more on the modes. But when you talk about sustainable mobility, the focus is the person or the goods that the person needs. So the focus really is the movement of the person, of the people. And to do this, you have to have better infrastructure. That is Daniel Gillian again. With over two decades of experience both in the academe and in the professional sphere, she has been constantly engaged in programs and discussions on achieving better and sustainable transport through effective planning and policies. In the past few years, she has been involved with breeding young minds on building livable and sustainable urban spaces. I think this became quite obvious with the lockdown and the people, because we have limited transportation, and then we're afraid of the virus. So the tendency is, how do we move to get our essentials? And then the normal way is you cycle and then you walk. Or you walk if you have that option. And when you walk, I think more people became more observant or experienced how their infrastructure. So I'd like to link this up with your infrastructure. At the end of the day, we're all looking at infrastructure. So I think the challenge is common, not just in Metro Manila, I mean, but in most urban centers, or maybe not just the urban areas, but really how walkable or how cyclable or how good is the public transport. And this is why mobility is also considered a social issue. When the pandemic struck and yet people with physical jobs had to report to work, we saw images of people on the news waiting for nothing along Commonwealth or EDSA, and even in inner avenues where jeeps pass by. Jeepney operations even stayed suspended as the ECQ was lifted to GCQ. And this meant hunger for the operators and the driver's families. Even on the road, the way we allocate the share of different vehicles and transport devices varies according to factors such as the travel distance, income, quality of public transit, and parking availability. And yet, the point is that despite majority of travelers in Metro Manila not having cars or being unable to afford one, roads are still widely dedicated to those that do have them. The policies in making public transport accessible must be aimed towards supporting better mobility for the lower income class and the physically challenged. More often than not, what happens now is the vehicular choice, which should be a right, is more like a vehicular constraint which is linked to the commuter's incapacity. It has to be accessible universally and there's road safety, mm. road safety on all aspects. And I think this is just perfect timing because, yeah, I think the policy on car seats, child seat now is being implemented. There's this new 
law no that children if you're in a vehicle should have their own car seat no it's now a policy and then of course you talk about of course the energy efficiency as well maybe from pollution <laughs> that's why the government is embarking on PUV or public utility vehicle modernization so transport wise i think what you want is to make it to have that universal access i think for the planners We always have to embody that. That's why transport is also a, a gender issue, no? Because we really have to hear from all kinds, no? Of people utilizing this particular mood or a particular infrastructure, like maybe it's a pedestrian space, maybe it's a cycling lane. I know there's always this debate: should they be go together? Should they be protected? Should they be separate? Those are the infrastructure that we have to be mindful of. You know what, guys? <laughs> Being a plantito, you know, in real life, this is perhaps one of the best things I've started last year. I may have gone along with the trend, but you know what? I'm thankful I did nonetheless. I totally dig this newfound love of yours, Jonas. My mom loves gardening, and every morning I've been assisting her to maintain and grow our plants. I must admit that it's one of the most therapeutic things you can ever do in a day. You know that feeling when you get up in the morning and the sun is just high up, then you go outside to your terrace or wherever to check on your plants. Then I don't know, watering them gives a similar feeling to meditating. It's just so light and nice. Simple joys and all that jazz eventually does not need to be expensive lifestyle. For as low as 300 pesos, you can get a very pretty potted plant from Isa's Plant Bar that will add more color to your room, or better yet. Add more life on your work desk as you carry on with your day-to-day backlogs. They get everything plant-related, from plants to the soil, the rocks, and the pots. Check out Isa's Plant Bar on Facebook and find that there is a special service where you can just send the name or the photo of the plant you want, and the plant bar will find it for you. And as they say, a greener home starts with a plant baby. The Asian mobility is likely to worsen in the coming years if the implementation of wrong programs persists. It, the clock is ticking, and what is needed at this point is an overarching strategy from the national government that covers every aspect of mobility in cities, which requires a thorough understanding on how people and goods actually move. This strategy shall include the local governments to enact necessary changes and execute new urban transportation strategies in their respective domains, which of course requires funding and support from the national government and private entities. Hence, a national urban mobility program is now a top priority. We needed to stop the hemorrhages that metro cities in the Philippines have been sustaining for years. Such a program sets out a framework for the national government to improve mobility in highly urbanized cities like Manila and Cebu. The thing that I'm quite happy right now, no, with the policy is that our government is really thinking on how to improve our mobility in the city. So one, there's equitable access, which I believe the reason why they're making, well, they're improving our streets by adding more cycling lanes, improving pedestrians. I don't know if you've noticed that mostly in our urban centers, no, they're now improving that. And then the public transport. For me, public transport is a big thing, no. And I know that 
policy-wise, they now have the public utility vehicle modernization, which is a big shift from the usual way of providing public transport service. Now, how do we make sure that the vehicles are also meeting the standards? So, I think they, they're also working on the pollution and the climate responsiveness of our public transport. So, I think that's something, the policy that should be looked into. So, I think that's what I know. No? Of course, we're talking only about public transport here. Road transport, perhaps, and not really the other modes. But yes, there's always connectivity to be discussed. Yet, this is only the start of a long and winding process of correcting the wrongs. And this is really where technology can come in to ensure that we know the specific problematic areas, the imbalances, and the issue severities we have to focus our attention on. That's really where data collection, science, and analyses can come into the picture. Thank heavens for technology! Yet, still, of course, there's a lot of work that has to be done in order to establish definite data collection mechanisms and toolkits. However, outputs in these areas will also render useless or be utilized in wrong or sufficient ways without the needed reform in our governing hierarchies and institutions handling transportation, infrastructure, and urban planning, as well as a shift in priorities as well. Maybe it's the right time to allocate more resources for these areas as mobility is also multifaceted and the problems in this area are also multidimensional. And the pandemic kind of played a role in also mobilizing the long overdue action here. Just the traffic, but really the transport system. When I say the transport system, it's about the public transport. It's about walkability or active transport, cycling, it's about parking, you know, parking. Sometimes we forget that there's also a need for parking. It's about terminals. It's about public utility vehicle stops. It should be holistic. When I say transport, it's not about public transport, but also the holistic plan. It's about the infrastructure, you know. It's about all these highways, I'm sure, expressways that you have. But at the same time, how it is with your public transport? How are you connected with one another? If you ask me the impact of the pandemic or the work from home setup with mobility, I say the first impact is it gives us more time to actually reflect on the kind of city we live in. Before, you won't hear SWS asking survey on walkability. I think this is the first time now that they're coming up with a report. Uh, okay, we need more walkable spaces. We need cycling lanes. They just recently published that, right? So those are uh, realities. Yes. Uh, without the pandemic, I don't think we're here to discuss it at all. More on achieving sustainable mobility in the next episode of Sustainer Rumble. Sustainable mobility is more of a goal. Eh? For you to develop it, you have to have better transport infrastructure, better modes. So you need to utilize the framework of avoid improve shift. So you need to look at the energy, the resilient infrastructure. We have to understand that when it rains, you know, you have flooding and all this stuff. So the way forward really is to look at the whole picture, no? Always, always think of the user, whether it's for public transport or whether it's for goods. In order to see different results, one must be willing to do things differently. Widening road spaces and building more elevated expressways like you see right now in the Skyway Extension, for example, might see an alleviation for the short term. But then again, 
these methods will aggravate old problems not for long. How did the likes of the Netherlands, Austria, and Belgium, whose urban cities were formerly choked with cars and wide roads, transform into places that brought spaces back to the people and made them move better and breathe easier? Discover more on that in the next episode. Make sure you're following the show to be updated once the next episode drops. If you appreciate this episode, help us spread that appreciation with other people too.